It is good news. If you hear the gospel preached and it, it, it doesn't bring good news, you're not hearing the gospel. You know, when the, when the, when the angels showed up at Jesus' birth, they said, we bring you good tidings of great joy. For Christ the Savior is born. You know, it says when the evangelist Philips went, went and, and preached... Um, In Samaria, was it Samaria? And, and, and he said that they preached the gospel and they received it, and the and the entire city was filled with great joy. You know, something's wrong with the gospel we're preaching if it doesn't cause people to be joyful. And the gospel is good news, and we've been looking at we've been we've been kind of dissecting the the gospel and. We're, kind of, we're breaking it down into these ten, ten words. And there could be more, but these ten, ten words that the Gospel proclaims. And we look so far at that we're loved, right? You're loved. You're loved by God. And then we've seen that you're forgiven. Because God loved us, He forgave us. How? Through Jesus Christ. And because He loved us, and because He forgave us, now we can be saved. You can be saved. The question is, are you saved? Just because you're in church doesn't mean you're saved. Are you born again? Are you born again? Yeah, are you? You should ask yourself, Chad, are you questioning my salvation? If you can question your salvation, you need to question it. So how can you know if you're born again? Well, how can you know if you're born in the flesh? How do you know that you were born in the flesh? Well, you have a birthday. Right? You had a day that you were born. And if you had a day that you were born in the flesh, it's the same way in the Spirit. You have to have a day that you were born again. And how do you, and how do you know the day that you are born again? It's the day that you said, Jesus, You are my Savior. Come into my life. Transform my life. Fill me with Your Spirit. That's the day you were born again. If you have never been born again, today can be your day. You can have a birthday today. And, and do not walk out these doors without receiving the gift of salvation. Amen? And because we're saved, we're brought into union. We're brought into union with God. And, and we talked about this last week, about marriage in the natural, how that is a symbol of the reality. Do you understand that? Your natural marriage isn't the real thing. That's just a symbol. It's a symbol of a reality. And this reality is this mystery of our union with Christ. Marriage is just a glimpse of the awesome reality of our oneness and completeness and and our welding and baptism and engrafting into Christ Jesus. But here's the thing. Just like in physical marriage, it's the same in spiritual marriage. Real unity, real unity and real power in marriage does not start until you become one mind. 
right? If you are not of one mind and one goal and one focus, your marriage will be weak and effective. And it's the same thing in Christ. Yes, we have been brought into this union with Christ, but if we do not renew our minds to the mind of Christ, we will be weak and powerless. And we will not fulfill all the things that God has called us to do in Christ Jesus. We have to be in one mind with Jesus. And because we are in union with Christ, now we can enjoy constant fellowship with God. And, we, and, 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 and not only that, because of this union, we now can become fruit bearers of the kingdom of God. We do not produce fruit. We bear fruit. You ever have, you ever have uh, fruit that is sour or bitter? Not quite ripe yet. That's 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 the kind of fruit that religion bear, produces. But grace produces the best fruit, the perfect fruit. And we are not to produce fruit; we are to bear the fruit that grace produces in our life. It's a big difference. Because we are these, we are the branches of the true vine of life who is Christ Jesus so if this is the reality if this is the reality that we we are loved that we are forgiven that we are saved that we're in union why does it seem that we find it so hard to enjoy such fellowship and blessing of being united with the father because we do not have a revelation of the next word that the gospel proclaims The Gospel proclaims that we have been accepted. We have been accepted. You know, one of the things that I, I, I disliked about middle school was in gym class, they would pick, they would pick um, captains. And then they would, the captains would choose teams. And what I did not like about that was not being worried about being chose last. Now, if it was, they were choosing for a spelling bee, then maybe I'd worry about being chose last. But gym class, I, was, I wasn't too concerned about that. What I disliked was when I was a captain. I'd actually say I don't want to be a captain because I did not like to choose. I did not like to accept some people and reject other people. And, and that's one of the worst things I hated. I hated that more than anything in, in gym class was is having to choose between people. And we, are we have been designed by God with a desire to be accepted. We have been designed that way. There is a longing in each individual for acceptance. It's a need put in us by God. And that need, the problem is, is we don't know what that, why, why that need is there. So we try to find all these false things in the world, other people, through job, our performance, all these things, trying to find acceptance. 
But really what it is, it's that longing to be accepted by our Father. To be accepted by God. And so this, this, this desire is in us. So it's not a bad thing, the need for acceptance. But where you find your acceptance, that's the issue. And some people say, you know, I, 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 I don't care what people think about me. I don't care about being accepted. You know what? That's a lie. Actually, people that actually like being disliked and like being shunned, that's a mental disorder. There's something wrong with you. If you like dis- to be disliked, if you like confrontation, if you, lo- if you like if people not thinking well of you. See, what many people do is they hide the fact that they desire acceptance by rejecting others first. In doing this, they are trying to avoid the possibility of them being rejected. If I reject you, you don't get a chance to reject me. It's nothing more than the other end of the same stick of acceptance. In this world, acceptance comes with a price. If you want acceptance, you have to perform. You have to deliver. You have to toe the line. You have to shine. You have to make the winning shot. You have to wear the right clothes. You have to woo the girl. You have to dazzle the customer. You have to do all these things in order to be accepted. And by chasing after acceptance, which is a legitimate desire and need, we are influenced in what we do, where we live, how we talk, and even what we eat and drink, and the clothes that we put on, all by trying to be accepted. Your life is controlled, your life is defined by the acceptance of others. You are not living your life, you are living the life approved by others. I see it all the time. If someone does not behave just like you, they're rejected. And the problem is, this is prevalent in the church. This is prevalent in the church. People might have a different belief system than you do. And what do I mean by belief system? They might believe something that isn't really... Now, there are, there are core beliefs that Jesus was the Son of God. That He died a virgin's birth. That, that, that he, he walked the earth, died on a, lived a sinless life, died on a cross, resurrected on the third day, and now is seated at the right hand of God, and that salvation can only come through Jesus Christ. Yeah, we got to agree on that. The rest of it, The rest of it doesn't matter. You understand that? Now, there might be some people that aren't walking in the fullness. They're, they're not walking in the fullness of the gospel. They're not walking in all the promises of God. They're not walking in grace. They're not walking. They're not. They're, they, they are under the burden of law. They're under the burden. Yes, they, that will affect their life. But you shouldn't let their life affect you. And, and the problem is, is, is 
The reason why we can't stand anyone to believe different than we do is because by them saying believing differently, we are saying that they, you are wrong. And by saying you are wrong, we are saying we reject you. Even It's all subconscious. Even if they don't reject you at all. Listen, I have not rejected any of you. And I can guarantee you that you have beliefs that I don't agree with. And I probably have beliefs that you don't agree with. But because I find my acceptance not in what you think of me, but what God Almighty thinks of me, it doesn't bother me. I mean, I could agree with you, but then we'd both be wrong. Right? I remember, we went to Toronto Christian Airport for the Toronto Blessing, and, and I was a young Christian, and, and, you know, like all new Christians, what do we first do? We run out and read every, all the uh, fiction on end times that we can find. And the very, the very first night, a guy came in, and he started preaching on, on, on Matthew 23, and explaining how Jesus was prophesying of the end of Jerusalem. And I was offended. Because everything he said was contrary to what I not believed, but, but was told. And I was offended by that. Why? Because he was, he was challenging me. Listen, you cannot get offended. First of all, you can't get offended unless you're in pride. It's impossible to be offended if you're humble. Only prideful people get offended. The second thing is, is that you can only get offended if you're insecure about what you believe. If you're secure in what you believe, you could care less what other people think. But your insecurity and, and, and your fear of being rejected causes you to be offended. And because you're offended, you reject them before they can reject you. You want to know something? The next night we had Heidi Baker come, come in and speak. Now Heidi Baker is an amazing woman, a, a missionary in Africa. She has seen miracles after miracles. The, the flow of the Spirit happened in that place. And you want to know what? I cannot remember a single thing. This was, this was close to over 20 years ago. And I can't remember a single thing that Heidi Baker preached. But I do remember the man that offended me. And you want to know what t- today, 20 years later? I agree with that man that offended me. Thank, thank you, Jesus, for your grace, right? But, but it's prevalent in the church. Listen, you stick around here long enough, I'm going to say something you disagree with. I say a lot of words every Sunday. There's a chance that I might say something that wasn't perfectly stated. 
right? No, I know. So you might just interpret what I said as being different from what you, what you believe. The best thing is to have a conversation and find out what you believe. And don't worry about us rejecting one each other, each other because we have been accepted in God. And if, we've been, if, if you have been accepted by the Creator of the universe, what's a Christian word I can say? Who, I guess who cares? That's the only thing. Who gives a care about what anybody else thinks of you? And because, listen, listen to this, and because the Creator of the universe has accepted you, and you don't care what other people think of you, now you can shed, you can share the love of Christ in their life because you're no longer treating them in a certain way trying to get their acceptance. You're truly loving them. You're truly loving them. Okay. I the problem is, whether you know it or not, the desire to grow in acceptance and avoid rejection is the strongest reason that we do the things we do. And sometimes we do stupid stuff just trying to avoid being rejected. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, look at this. To the praise of the glory of His grace by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. See, man-made religion trades in the market of performance-based acceptance. In the religion of Christianity, this unholy lie says that you have to work to make yourself acceptable to God. Those who fail to perform, to toe the line, are made to feel like nobodies in the body of Christ. And those that do perform, those that do toe the line, those that do get the gold star, they're, they find themselves farther from grace than they, when they started. It's time that the church ends the slave trade, trading of acceptance. It, it produces a system of human sacrifice based on envy and selfish ambition. It dehumanizes all who trade in it. It fosters and distorts an image of our Heavenly Father and turns Him into a judge and a scorekeeper. This is why the Gospel, the good news, the good news of acceptance needs to be preached. Let's read this again. To the praise of the glory of His grace by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. This is awesome. This is awesome news. This is great news. Maybe you didn't read the same thing that I read. It, it, it doesn't say to the praise of the glory of your service. What does it say? It says God's acceptance of you is to the praise of the glory of His grace. Do you realize how wonderful this is? But wait. It gets gooder. He made us accepted. 
God's acceptance is not something that we ever have to strive for. You've already been made accepted. You have been made accepted. There's nothing you can do to unmake your acceptance because you had nothing to do with your acceptance. God made you acceptable. He accepted you. He made you accepted. We don't have to strive to be accepted. And, and this is good news because you have already made it. We can take a deep breath. What a relief. What a relief. What freedom. I can be myself. God has accepted me. But wait, there's more. He has made us accepted in the Beloved. In the Beloved. This is talking about Jesus. God's acceptance comes to you on the account of His Son. So if you want to know how accepted you are with God, you only need to look at Christ, the One called Beloved. You are as accepted to God as Jesus Christ is. Because He made you accepted in Christ, in the Beloved, in your union with Him. We are Christ's bride. Now listen. You can, you can call me names. You can put me down. You can say anything you want to me. That's fine. But if you start calling my Amanda names, if you start running her down in front of me, you're going to have issues. And Jesus takes better care of His bride than I ever will. You are accepted. You are in union with Christ. This is awesome. You know, Jesus, at the... The River Jordan. How do we understand God's acceptance? Well, Jesus came to the, to the River Jordan where John was baptizing people. And he came up to John and he, and he asked to be baptized. And John said, I need to be baptized by you. And Jesus says, no, it is good. For, it is good It's for the fulfillment. And really what was happening was Jesus... John was baptizing a baptism of repentance and forgiveness of sins, right? When Jesus was baptized, that was symbolic. He, he was walking into that baptism as humanity. I am going to be the one that purges your sins and washes your sins away. We, we are not baptized in John's baptism. We are baptized into Christ death, burial, and resurrection. So many people think when they get baptized, they're baptizing for the forgiveness of sins and for repentance. Listen. Baptism doesn't save you. You can go down a dry center and come up a wet center. You can ask, for your, you can ask God to forgive your sins until you're blue in the face. That won't save you. Only faith in Jesus Christ saves you. 
You can be sorry for your sins. Guess what? That won't save you. It's only faith in Jesus that saves us. Well, anyways, Jesus shows up and he, he gets baptized and he comes up out of the water and we see the Trinity. You have Jesus there, dripping wet by the crazy man, John the Baptist, and camel hair. He's got locusts in his beard and honey dripping from it. And, and a dove, the Spirit comes down in, in the image in the form of a dove. I don't, understand, I don't know what exactly that looks like. And then you hear the Father speaking from heaven. This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus was accepted. Now you've got to understand something. You've got to understand that Jesus was accepted before He did anything. He didn't preach one message. He didn't heal one leper. He didn't bring sight to one blind person. He didn't overturn one table. He didn't feed one multitude. He didn't do anything. Who said that? He, he didn't change water into wine? Someone must be thirsty. But, no. No, there was no miracles before he was baptized. No. That was the first one he did. Yeah, that was the first one he did. So anyways, that's all right. Right. He did. Nope. No, no, no miracles, no ministry at all until, until after his, after his uh, baptism and coming back out of the wilderness. So nothing... He did nothing. He did nothing. And God says, this is my son and who I am well pleased with. This should give you a little hint into what pleases God. What makes you acceptable to God. See, religion is on a quest to find out what pleases God. But we already know what pleases God. Jesus does. Jesus pleases God. He told us at the River Jordan. There is nothing more pleasing to God the Father than God the Son. And you have been brought into union with Jesus. You know, on the Mount of Transfiguration, the first Bible was there. Did you know that? The very first Bible ever seen was on the Mount of Transfiguration. You had Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. The Law, the Prophets, and the New Testament. And you remember... The disciples, they got tired of praying. And they fell asleep. And all of a sudden, Moses shows up, Elijah shows up, and there's Jesus. And they're having a conversation. I'd love to hear that conversation. And Peter, he gets excited. He gets excited and, and, and he, he, he says, it is so good to be here. This is so awesome. 
I'm paraphrasing a little bit. This is so awesome. Let us build three tabernacles for these different ministries. The ministry of the law, the ministry of the, of the, of the prophets, and the ministry of Jesus. Let's honor them all. Peter wanted to honor all three ministries. And what did God say? What did God say? While he was speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came from the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Listen, if you, when you read the, the law and you read the prophets, if you're not hearing Jesus, you are being deceived. Everything filters through Jesus. Everything in our life, everything in our being is filtered through Jesus. And we need to hear Him. We need to hear Him. And what does Jesus say? In Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to Me. Come to Me, all you that who labor are in our heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest from what? Does that mean, well, Jesus says I don't have to work no more. No, He's talking about the labor of, of religion, of men. The, the labor of trying to toe the line. The, the labor of trying to keep everything in check. The labor of trying to be accepted by God. When Jesus came to earth, He shocked some and enraged others by refusing to play the acceptance game. In Jesus' day, the rules that disqualified people from approaching God were based on behavior, they were based on gender, ethnicity, health, just to name a few. So if you were a sinful foreign woman with leprosy, you were about as far away from God as you could possibly be. When Jesus showed up, he headed straight to the sinners, the foreigners, the women, the lepers. He demonstrated that grace is superior to the law. The law builds walls between us and them, but grace tears down those walls. Jesus received everyone who came to him. Tax collectors, prostitutes, Romans, Samaritans, the mentally unstable, physically handicapped, physically handicapped even the children. Jesus accepted them all. Jesus even ate with the worst of them. He ate with the worst of them. The self-righteous Pharisees. He accepted intolerance Intolerant, intolerant religion. All those I'm better than you jerks. Jesus even accepted them. But they rejected him. Can you imagine that? Jesus accepted the unacceptable and loved the unlovable to reveal the Father's heart of acceptance. God is not willing that any should perish. He desire, his desire is for all of his lost children to come home. And John 3.16, very familiar, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, 
that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God the Father did not send God the Son to reject the world. Do you understand that? Jesus didn't come to reject the world, but to save the world and to show that he accepts them. Understand this. If if God did not accept you, he would never have sent Jesus to set you free. He came that you would not perish. In 2 Corinthians 5.19 it says, that, that is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. See that, that mystical union? God is in Christ. Christ is in God. We are in Christ. Christ is in us. It says, he says, God was in Christ. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. But not, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God was pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. When's the last time you pleaded with someone to be reconciled with God? That God is so good. That God has already reconciled Himself to you. Will you, will you please be reconciled to God? Reconciliation. It it means the restoration of friendly relations. The restoration of harmony, agreement, peace. The end to hostility. An antonym for that would be a feud. Do you know how many people are fighting against God, that are mad at God, that has a feud with God because they feel rejected by God and God says, I have already been reconciled to you. I have reconciled myself to you. Will you please be reconciled to me? It is Paul is saying here that God has accepted you. He's not rejecting you. And we plead with you to accept God. To accept God. I'm telling you, the world thinks the gospel that we preach is proclaiming that God is rejecting them. And Paul says here, God's not rejecting you. This is such good news. Everything you believe to God is a lie. God is not against you. He's not rejecting you. He has actually accepted you. He does your, His part before you ever do anything. Your part. He's already provided everything by the glory of His grace. And He has accepted you. So stop rejecting God. Stop rejecting His love. Stop rejecting His forgiveness. Stop rejecting the life that He's called you to live. Many have heard a lot about receiving Jesus, but the good news begins with the announcement that Jesus receives you. It 
It is His acceptance of you that makes all the difference. In the eyes of the law, you were rejected by sin. But in the eyes of the Father, you have been accepted by grace. You were far away from at one time. You were far away, but in Christ you have been brought near. You were unaccepted, but He has made you accepted in the Beloved. What pleases God? What pleases God? It's faith in Jesus Christ. It is resting in the finished work even as the world tries to seduce you back into action-based acceptance. It's sitting at Jesus' feet when religion pressures you into doing your part. And it's receiving others with the same grace and favor that Jesus Christ has received you. Ephesians 2, 4 and 6 says, But God, I love, God, I love when God gets His butt in there. But God, who is rich in mercy, don't you love that? Because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. There's the union, there's the, the love, there's the forgiveness. <laughs> By grace you have been saved and raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The grace of God is the key to understanding divine acceptance. If you only see grace as a ticket to get into the kingdom, something that just gets you through the door, then you're going to be seduced back into the lie that says that you have to work to please the Father. You will feel pressure to prove your salvation by doing things that Christians routinely tell you to do. This is no different than how the world works. Right? You perform well, I'm picking you for my team. If you're a weak performer, go sit on the bench. Instead of bringing Instead of bringing grace-based freedom that heaven offers to earth, we're trying to export performance-based religion to heaven. Grace does not merely get you through the door as we just read. Grace takes you all the way to the throne room. It sits you down at the right hand of your heavenly Father. That's awesome. See, the problem is, is too often we do not accept the monumental price that Jesus has paid. We treat Jesus' sacrifice as common. What Jesus Christ has done to make us accepted, acceptable to God. If we truly valued Christ's sacrifice, we would not dare cheapen it by trying to add our own sacrifice. In our own strength, nothing we do impresses God. Our very best day is not good enough. It is Our own righteousness is nothing but filthy rags. The bad news is that the law proclaims that, proclaims the 
bad news is that the law proclaims that it is also the bad news. The bad news that the law proclaims is also what makes the gospel so good. Does that make sense to you? The bad news that the law proclaims that it's based on your performance, it's based on your ability, it's based on your goodness, it's based on your righteousness. That's bad news. Because God is the standard. Jesus is the standard. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. You ever, in, in high school or college or anything, did you ever have a teacher that says, okay, this test is a tough one, and we're going to grade it on a curve. And what does that mean? When you grade something on a curve. It means, so whoever, let's say the top score was 80%. If that is the top score, 80%, then an A plus would go down to 80%. And then everybody else would get a better grade all the way down. Right? But here's the problem. When, when the teacher says it's graded on the curve, there's always that one person in the class that gets 100%. And when they get 100%, guess what the curve is? There is no curve. You've got to be perfect. And here's the problem. God can't grade on a curve. Why? Because Jesus was perfect. But here's the good news. We don't even have to take the test. Jesus took the test for us. He passed it for us. He represented us. And we are in Christ Jesus. So all that bad news that the law proclaimed is actually good news because of Jesus. Because that, the very thing that disqualified us made us acceptable because our faith is now in Christ Jesus. Our faith is in God. Amen. See, the good news, the gospel of God's acceptance is rarely preached. You are more likely to hear about God's standards, His high standards, than His unmerited favor. And understand, we don't deserve any of this. We have done nothing to merit His favor. Yet Jesus reaches out to a world bound by sin and says, I have unlocked the door. I have unlocked the door. I have released you from slavery. I have set you free. Now will you invite me in? Will you invite me in? Will you let me show you what life is really meant to be? You know, in Revelations, it talks about Jesus standing at the door and knocking. And, and they use that as an altar call to get people to accept Jesus. But the truth of the matter is, is Jesus was knocking on the door of the church. And Jesus says, will you let me come in? Will you let me show you how to live? Will you let me free you from dead religion? Will you take on my yoke? The gospel is not an invitation to accept Jesus. It's the stunning announcement that Jesus has already accepted you. That He desires you. He wants you on His team. The law reveals it is impossible for you to make yourself acceptable and pleasing to God. The gospel 
of acceptance declares that in Christ you have been made accepted for all eternity. Nothing you can do is, will make you more pleasing to God than you already are. All of this is to the praise of the glory of His grace. We are accepted, and that's good news. I guess you could say in one word, that's the gospel. Amen? Amen. Let's praise Him. Heavenly Father, we thank You. We thank You for Your grace. We thank You that we are accepted. We are accepted. You like hanging out with us. You like being with us. You desire, you desire for us to be part of your family and part of your kingdom. And Father, we just thank you. We thank you for that, 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 that gift of acceptance. Heavenly Father and Holy Spirit, teach us to walk in that acceptance. Teach us to lay down our works-based mentality trying to be acceptable to God. And see ourselves as already accepted and walk in that truth and that reality. We receive the gospel by faith in Christ Jesus who makes this all possible. And it's His mighty name that we pray. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karis.com.